This is the Senior Living Truth Series podcast, where we have candid conversations about complex issues facing today's mature adults. No sales pitch, only the truth. I'm Dr. Nikki Buckaloo. Welcome to the show. Good morning. How is everybody? Good. The, the room is beginning to fill again. Yay, right? Back to being a human and normal and face-to-face and yes, oh my gosh, I missed it. Hi, Eddie. Front row seat. Oh, some of some familiar faces that haven't been here here in a while. Like you guys don't know how much we've missed having you. So thank you. Welcome back. Um, those of you at home, we got Zoomers watching. So I think we have about 50 Zoomers watching from home still, which is great. And some of those guys are watching because they live out of area. Some of them are out of state. Some of them are out of town. And some of them are. Uh, still hanging out at home until maybe they get their vaccine or until they feel comfortable getting out in groups again. So we're glad to have you guys here. My name is Nick Buckaloo. Um, who's new in the room? Who's never been here before to the Truth Series? Hello, welcome. Yeah, hi. Some of you guys have been here. You've just been online. Uh, some of you are new. We're glad to have you here. Um, our sponsors, um, many of you met as you came in today. Uh, Please make it a point when you get a chance before you leave today to go by if you didn't on your way in. They bring some really great materials, and uh, some some months they have stuff that you may never have seen before. Other months it might be stuff that you have seen. So be sure to go by and pick up anything from the tables. I know today Concordia uh, couldn't be here for the whole seminar because they had a couple of other events that conflicted, but they have on their table um, a couple of things about respite. Does everybody know what respite is? Respite. So if you're a caregiver and you have the responsibility of 24-hour care for someone and you need a break, then our communities, I know all of the communities offer some version of this depending on their availability, but what you can do is you can make reservations with them to say, hey, I just need... Uh, a few days, I have a wedding to go to, or I just need a break, and they will make a space available where that person can get the care they need for a very short-term temporary stay. And um, it's, it's, uh, it, it saves those caregivers from burning out. It saves people from having to say no to important events that they need or want to go to. So take advantage of that opportunity. Be sure to grab the flyers on that. Um, and then I have a couple of new things happening. I have a new microphone. Yay! Does it sound good to you guys? Yeah, it sounds good to me. You guys can thank Chris Buckaloo for that because he, um, it drives him crazy when our sound is not good, yeah. And, uh, and uh, it also goes over both my ears, which means I don't have to constantly fiddle with it all day today, and he doesn't have to stick a big piece of tape on my cheek. That's nice as well. Um, so, but if you do see me kind of fiddling, it's because it's new and I'm still trying to figure it out. It kind of feels like it's falling off my head because it's real lightweight. And so I don't know how these, like Beyonce, these dancers and singers get up there and they do all this crazy dancing with those headsets on. I'm not going to try that, just so you know. Um, the other new thing that we have to announce is that uh, since we saw you last, Chris and I and Shannon have... Um, we are no longer with Keller Williams Realty. We are Buckaloo Realty Group. We are our own brokerage. Um, we probably could have done it a long time ago, but we've always had an affinity with Keller Williams. I've 
been in leadership with them and a coach, as has Chris. But we decided that um, we wanted to do some expansion, and so it made sense for us to <clears throat> be our own brokerage. So if you see something that still has Keller Williams on it, just disregard the Keller Williams part. Nothing else has changed for you guys. We still do what we do. And the good news is we get to expand. So the other new thing is Kim back here. Kim, give everybody a wave. She's way back there in the corner. Yeah, so Kim Johns joined our team, and uh, she has... Uh, been a friend and colleague for a very long time and decided that uh, she wanted to do something a little different than typical real estate and so she's joined our team and she'll be heading up our buyer department, home buyer department. So she'll be the one that when you list your home and it's on the market, she's the one out there scouting for the people that match up with your house. Okay, and helping people who are looking for a house. It just becomes, you know, what we noticed with the real estate market right now what it is is so flipping crazy hot like moving so fast that we just handle it at the same time so we need more people to do that um, and so um, we're very fortunate and grateful to have some really good folks on board so those are the new things happening um, and so we're going to dive into part three of the truth about downsizing best ways to liquidate the extra stuff does anybody have any extra stuff? <laughs> okay, good. So you're in the right place, right? Right, right, right. And don't point at your spouse sitting next to you. I, I cannot help you with that. That's a whole different seminar, and uh, we'll work on that next time. So uh, if you did not come to the first two parts, the very first part we did back in, what would that have been, April, we did the truth about the psychology of letting go. So we talked about the emotional, psychological um, aspects of downsizing, right? How it affects us in our brain and in our heart. And then last month we talked about the steps. So we kind of broke the downsizing made easy method down into like 15 steps and we talked about those one step at a time with one step being the liquidation process and I told everybody we would elaborate on that this month, right? So if you didn't see those last two, they are recorded, and you can go to our website to watch those, and you can just go to the SeniorLivingTruthSeries.com, which is on all your materials, and when you go to that, the, new, the most recent one is usually at the top in a bigger frame, and then when you scroll down, they're listed by category, and you can pick up the other ones there and watch those. So feel free to do that if you didn't get to see the first two. At your table, you have a handout today about today's topic, and so it should have uh, at the top, it should have a logo, the Senior Living Truth Series logo, and then some lines on it. It's two pages, uh, front and back. And then you also have a number, we don't normally do chair drops, uh, but you know, our sponsors had some really interesting things that they wanted to share with you, and I wanted to make sure everybody got it. So you have a whole bunch of flyers that were on your chair. Those you can set aside for now. Um, those are just for your reading, and we want you to look at those and take time. But for now, this is the handout that you'll be using. And, uh, and it's not necessarily an outline. I don't want to mistake. It's not an outline of today's talk, but it's two parts. It's a worksheet for you. And it's a action item list. So the back is action items. And you'll do those action items when you get home. So 
All right, let's dive in. You've seen this picture before. What is that gentleman saying to the gentleman next to him? What is the gentleman with the walker saying? One day we'll all be yours. We'll yours. Yeah, and what is the son saying to his father or uncle or brother? What is he saying? I'll get a dumpster. We can't say it in this room. What else? How long have I been paying for this? How long have you been paying for this? What else? Get a bulldozer. Anybody else? I don't want that. Say again. Leave it to your enemy. All right. So most of us uh, probably have some version of that, right, in our home or in our garage or in a storage, but maybe not to that degree. But at the end of the day, uh, somebody's got to deal with it, right? And so either you have to deal with it now or someone has to deal with it later. And so when, you know, we've been in the real estate business, I looked at it, this year marks 30 years for me. I started when I was 21 years old um, in 1991, this marks, that makes it 30 years, right? If I did my math right, yeah. And so 30 years in the business, and in about 2000 or so, we started specializing in helping people downsize. That became our specialty and our niche, and that's about five years after Chris had joined me in the business. So when we started helping people downsize, the house on the top left corner is what we normally helped people move out of. That was the house that house. Okay, now the house on the bottom corner is our average house. Average. How many garages do we have in the first house? How many do we have in the second house? Right. Then we have this thing going on. Right. We didn't have this thing going on either back when we started. So now we have people say, Nikki, not only do I need to get rid of some of the things I have in my home, but I have this storage building or a trailer or a lake house or something, right, that has some other stuff in it, and I need to do something with that. So it has gotten a little more complex for people to downsize, yes? Here's the other thing. This is interesting because that has, that has changed, but guess what has not changed? The size of the place people are moving into. <laughs> Spanish Cove's apartments have not gotten bigger in the last 20 years. They're the same apartments that they had. They remodel them. They look a little bigger. They have a bigger feel because they have an open space and they're doing some really cool things. But assisted living apartments, you guys, are not bigger than they were. The newest buildings, the newer establishments that are building new buildings now, are beginning to build them a little bit larger, but not, not to the degree of percentage of difference that we have in homes. Does that make sense? So they may add 100 square feet, but you guys are adding a third to two-thirds more to your space um, as we have retired right so um, so we have more stuff and why do we have bigger houses because we have more stuff right exactly okay so you guys get the drift I'm not telling you anything you don't know <clears throat> but we have basically three dilemmas 
okay? Three dilemmas when it comes to downsizing. And before we can really talk about the how-to part, I want us to get really clear about some of the things that we have to think about in addition to just the solutions, okay? So the three things that we struggle with is we have too much stuff and too little space. Time. Time is a dilemma. The deadlines that are imposed sometimes upon the downsizing process makes it hard. So if you have all the time in the world, it's pretty easy to downsize, right? You just do it systematically. But if your house is under contract and the buyer wants to move in in 30 to 45 days, that changes the landscape, doesn't it? Changes the strategy. Trends. Today's consumers have different preferences. Used to, your kids wanted everything. I wanted the furniture that Chris's grandparents had because I didn't have any other furniture and it was free. The fact that it was gold was irrelevant. It, you could sit in it, right? But now, the people that we're trying to give things to, first of all, most of them already have full households, right? Because if you're in your 70s or 80s, how old are your kids? Old enough to have their own stuff, right? Whereas before, people were giving them, now your grandkids may need it, but they aren't going to take the gold chair or the floral print or striped couch. You guys get that, right? Okay, they would rather go and buy an inexpensive throwaway gray couch than they would have your really nice, expensive, well-built, in their words, not mine, ugly furniture. Okay, that's their opinion because it's not their preference. Does that make sense? Okay, so those are the top three dilemmas we have. Some of you may have the first dilemma, some of you may have the second, some of you may have the third, and some of you may have all of them. Okay, all three dilemmas. Let me also mention the deadline uh, issue on time. Uh, if, you're, if you're living in a, let's say you're living in an apartment uh, at one of our communities, and you're moving into a different apartment at one of the communities, you usually have a limited period of time to make that move. And so a lot of the clients that we have now have moved to, say, Spanish Cove or Bradford Village or Concordia, and they've lived in that independent living cottage or apartment for 15 or 20 years. Now they're moving into assisted living. Well, if you don't empty that original apartment in a short period of time, you're paying for both, right? So again, time constraints change everything. Okay. Now, the title of today's talk is The Best Strategies for Liquidation. The Best Strategies for Liquidation. So we need to talk about the word best for a second, okay? Because best for Eddie may not be best for Ann and best for Tim. Does that make sense? So what does best mean? I just want to talk about that briefly. What is best based on? Two primary factors. One your circumstances, your circumstances, okay? So are you single or are you married? Is your family near or far? Kids or no kids? Do you have help or no help? Do you live in the metro area or do you live in a rural area? Do you live in a neighborhood that's gated or do you live in a neighborhood where there's plenty of parking? Um, time, do you have plenty of time or do you only have a short amount of time? What about money? Do you have plenty of money and so getting a return on the things that you own isn't as big a deal? Or are you counting on that money to do what it is you need to do, 
right? So our circumstances dictate how we're going to go about this process, all right, our circumstances. The second thing that dictates how we're going to go this came up last month in our, in our conversation at the end, our beliefs and values, our beliefs and values dictate how we are going to go about this. So I know some people in this room who are very, um, I would say, social and con have a high level of social want to give everything to somebody who can use it. They don't want it to go in a dumpster, right? So for someone in that mindset, it is going to be more difficult to liquidate things than someone who says, just chunk it, Nikki, right? So that is a different scenario. And so it may also be someone who is very nostalgic or sentimental may have a harder time letting go of the things that they have in their home, right? And so that, that just means that, and by the way, can one spouse and the other spouse have different values and beliefs about stuff? Yes. Oh, my gosh, that is so much fun. <laughs> right? When, when he or she says, oh, just get rid of it, and the other one goes, excuse me, right? So now you've got, not only do you have your values and beliefs, you have the values and beliefs of your significant other, or even as important, an adult child who may have a high level of sentimentality and you don't, or you do and they don't. Which one of those is harder, by the way? You having more sentimentality or them? You? Okay. Yeah. Because you're trying to give it to them and they say what? I don't want it. Right. Shannon and I had this conversation yesterday. We really hashed it out. And I said, Shannon, I said, is it really a gift if somebody tries to give you something and you don't want it? And her answer was yes, because it's the sentiment, right? The gift is the giver giving the gift. Eddie, if I give you something and you don't want it, is it a gift to you? You'll say thank you. Now, Shannon's comment was, if it's truly a gift, then it is the receiver who can do what they want to with it, right? If you're truly giving me a gift... And, and, I, and I accept it graciously, and I say, thank you very much. Now I own this gift. I have possession of this gift. How many of you, when you do that, as the gift giver, can let go of the outcome? Raise your hand if you can let go of the outcome. How many of you in the room have a certain level of expectation about what that person does with that gift? Raise your hand. Okay, a few of you do. Okay, so case in point, I gave my daughter and her, her husband, we gave them some furniture, a bed. And when our granddaughter was born, um, they had the bed up, and she rolled off the bed. And my, my son-in-law was mortified. He was so scared, it freaked him out, right? He took the bed apart, put the mattress on the floor, put the bed in the dumpster. What the heck? We gave you that bed, right? You didn't really have the right to just throw it in the dumpster. Then we gave her a rug, her and he a rug, 
And we, they, had, they babysat our dog one time, one time, and she peed on the rug in the corner. They cut the edge of the rug off. They just cut the edge of it off. I said, what did you do? They said, well, she peed and we didn't want to smell, so we just cut, the, cut it off. I, at that moment was when Chris and I decided that we had to let go of the outcome, right? Like how they care for things is not how we care for things. And so I either have to quit giving them gifts or give them the gifts and then let go of the outcome. So I told both my kids, when I give you things and I tell you it's a gift, it is yours and you can do with it what you, what you will. If you want to sell it, sell it. If you want to keep it, keep it. If you want to ruin it, ruin it. If you, I don't care what you do with it. I just don't want to know. <laughs> don't tell me. Okay? Now, there are some of you that are housing things that you've been housing for generations. And you really don't want them anymore. But you're feeling a sense of, what's the word? Guilt. Remorse. Sentimentality. Obligation. Okay, so feeling is causing you to hang on to it. And we talked about that in the part one session. But that makes it harder to liquidate. Okay? It does. It's a circumstance that makes it harder to liquidate. If you're eco-friendly, in other words, you don't want to just throw a mattress in the landfill. You want it to be repurposed. That also makes a difference, doesn't it? Okay? So all these things are factors. So here are basically the four ways the four primary ways to get things out of your house and into somebody else's hands, okay? This is it. I wish there were more, but we got four. Four basic ways. Ready? Gift, donate, trash, or sell, okay? Those are the four ways that things are going to get distributed out of your house, whether you move or whether you pass on and leave things to someone else to deal with. So... If the gift is a burden, Shannon and I were talking, and Shannon said, I don't mind re-gifting things, right? It, and here's the thing. If something can benefit someone else, even if it was given to you as a gift, why would you not pass it on to someone else, right? We do that with books a lot. Do you guys do that with books? Like you read a book, and it was a really good book. Somebody gave it to you, and you go, oh, I'm going to give this to somebody else to read, right? We don't even think twice about that. That's called re-gifting. But we have a hard time doing that with other things. Okay, we have a struggle with hard. So you can re-gift it. Everybody, right now, just so you know, you have permission. You have 100% permission. You can tell whoever you want to tell this. Say, who gave you permission? Nikki Buckaloo gave me permission today that I can give this stuff away to somebody else. I don't have to keep it anymore. Okay? Congratulations. You have been freed of that burden. I don't know really what this meant, but I just thought this picture was hilarious. <laughs> and I was looking, I think I did a search on Canva for uh, the word burden, and this came up. And I thought, I don't know that it really goes with my slide presentation, but I couldn't help it. Is that not hilarious? I just love that picture. So anyway, congratulations. That's the one slide that has nothing to do with my talk, but I thought you might enjoy it. It actually does. It does? The, the weight of the world is on his chest. And for some people, that's what this is like. 
And for some people, that's what this is like. How many of you can feel that? Okay, thank you for that. Yeah, good. I kind of thought that too, but I was having a real hard time being able to tie it together. So thank you for that. Yeah, it is the way to the world. And, uh, and some of your faces kind of look like that when I come meet with you, right? <laughs> Grimace, you know. Right. Okay, so we know about gifting, and gifting is just gifting. You know that. You give it to your kids, you give it to your neighbor, you give it to your friend. We don't have to go into detail on that. You know how to do that. You've been doing it your whole life. Donating, on the other hand, is a little different uh, issue. It's a little harder these days, by the way, to donate things than it used to be. In some ways, it's easier. In some ways, it's harder. But donating. So on in your handouts, there, are, there were two pieces of paper. One was the little worksheet with action items. And then the second piece should be a list. There's a list. And we're going to add to that list today because some of you are going to have some things that I didn't have. But we've given out lists before um, where you can donate things. And the, the fact of the matter is it changes, right? It changes. Places close, places that used to pick up no longer pick up, uh, you know, places have moved, etc. So if you have an old list, uh, you just have to verify if the stuff's still accurate. So I tried to update our list to make sure this list was accurate. Um, but I just want to kind of go through these and, and talk about them. And hopefully those of you at home, Naomi has emailed those out to people. If she hasn't yet, uh, she will, and you'll have this list as well. So the Salvation Army, uh, I just want to appreciate, uh, I think it was Janice that uh, sent us an email with uh, the Salvation Army. Obviously, it's a go-to, uh, easy go-to. We know it's a legit organization. We know it's a good cause. We know they have a truck, and they'll pick stuff up. Part of the challenge sometimes can be these organizations don't come into your house. They just want to pick it up on the porch, right? And so you have to have a way to get it out of the house to the porch so that they'll pick it up. And so that's one of the challenges. Um, the next one on the list is Hope Chest OKC. This one we talked about a couple of years ago when we did a decluttering seminar. And this is a, a not-for-profit organization based here in Oklahoma City that they provide beds, mattresses, and also like dining room tables and chairs to families with kids. They want kids to not be sleeping on the floor. They'd like for them to have a bed, makes them feel at home, and some of these families just can't make that happen, and so they are given a bed and a mattress and sometimes bedding, as I understand it. Um, you can't donate bedding, but if you donate to the organization, they will buy new bedding, okay? So dining room tables, same thing. So if you're moving, now I want to extrapolate this out to a scenario because those of you who are thinking about downsizing at some point, you may say, oh, my gosh, I would love for someone like that to have my extra beds in my extra bedrooms because I'm only going to take one bedroom suit and maybe you have two extras, right? Well, that is something that you can do. Now, here's the challenge. If you call us and you say, Nikki, we want you to manage our move, okay? We want you to help us make the move. We want you to help us sort, pack, organize, move it, unpack it, and put it away, and then help us liquidate what's left. We're going to say, great. How would you like to liquidate? Most people opt for a sale of some sort because it's efficient, it's fast, it's easy. And at the end of that, you usually get some sort of a check, okay? If you say to me, Nikki, I want these beds to be donated to Hope Chest OKC, I'll say, great. Now, if they don't pick up 
which I think this organization does as long as uh, the uh, uh, COVID restrictions have been lifted. But let's say they don't have the availability to pick it up in the window that you have available. Does that make sense? Okay, you've got to be out of your house. They can't pick it up for another two weeks. What are we going to do with those beds for two weeks? There's a dilemma, right? Secondly, let's say they don't pick up, but you want to deliver it. Somebody's got to deliver that. So if it's not you, then a truck has to be hired and somebody has to load it and move it to the place that you're delivering it. Does that make sense? So we can, uh, we can facilitate that. And if you do it in conjunction with a move, like your movers come, they're moving you to your place, they're also going to load those beds. We're going to mark those beds for donation and they're going to drop those beds somewhere else. That saves you some money, right? But just think if you were to go ahead and start doing that now. Right? What if you were to do that now, like next week, and two years from now? Because I can guarantee you that at least 50% of the people in this room have two guest bedrooms in case their family comes to visit. And out of that 50%, 50% of that group is going to tell me they haven't had family come visit in five years or more. But they might. So why not go ahead and donate them? Why not? And then pay the $129 for your family to stay at the Marriott Garden down the street. Just a thought. I'm not saying you should, but I'm just saying if you have this social conscience that says, I want to do something good with this stuff, you're going to have, there's going to be a trade-off. Does that make sense? There's going to be a trade-off. It's either going to be a financial trade-off or a time trade-off. You can't have it all. You can't have it both ways. you got to have a trade-off. So think about that and decide for yourself. Maybe you give up one bedroom suits instead of both because the family may come or the granddaughter does come once a year or whatever it is. Do what's right for you. But all I'm saying is if you're going to donate, start doing it now. If you had a, a spouse or an adult child that played the piano, for instance, and you don't play, but you still have that piano in your home, and when you move, you don't intend to take it, go ahead and free up the space now and save yourself the trouble later. I called yesterday Larson's Music. It's not on your list. Please write it on your list. Larson's Music on 63rd in Northwest Oklahoma City has a music department. Ask for Mr. Myrick. He will arrange for that piano, wherever it is, to be picked up, delivered to a shop where they will go through and make sure that it's able to be um, tuned and, and can be played. And then they will send it through a not-for-profit that they work with. They have two foundations, he said, and a not-for-profit group. The not-for-profit group I thought was really interesting. We talked about it. We didn't talk about the foundations. The not-for-profit group provides those pianos to families who cannot afford one, who have children who want to take lessons. And as long as the children are in lessons, they can keep that piano. If they're not in lessons, they will come back and get the piano and donate it to another family. Isn't that cool? And you know what the biggest, the hardest thing it is for us to get rid of? Pianos and organs. 
Pianos and organs. Okay, so if you have a piano and you want to donate it, that's a great place to start. Just call Larson's and ask for Mr. Myrick in the piano department. He will make arrangements. Okay, he will handle it. And I feel like that's legit, right? Like that's not putting it on Facebook Marketplace with some stranger coming to your house to see if they want to pay 50 bucks for it, right? That's not safe. I don't like that idea at all. And people do it all the time. So then the next two on the list are about Bibles. You may want to add to this uh, if you know of another uh, resource, but these are the two that I've been told about and have looked up and done a little bit of research. One is Love Packages, and you can go to their website. Uh, they send uh, Bibles uh, as a mission. They send them to third world countries and places where people have a hard time getting religious materials, and they will send them. Um, Bible Rescue is a place out of Utah. It's uh, the Church of Latter-day Saints does this. They basically take these family Bibles, they record the data that's been written in them, birth dates, marriages, etc., and uh, that way it can be provided. Then they uh, try to find a family member who would want that Bible. Hmm. Interesting, yeah? Okay, so that can be done as well. If you have uh, one of those Bibles and you just say, I just can't accommodate it or your family doesn't want to uh, just get rid of it and they don't need it or want to keep it, then they can do that. Of course, we all know about, um, I say everybody knows, maybe you don't. There's a, a great thrift store in northwest Oklahoma City called The Rock, R-O-C, stands for Reaching Our City. It's a thrift store. Um, they have some really great causes that they support, a food pantry, etc. The thrift store proceeds help offset some of the costs, uh, obviously operating, but also food pantry. Um, you can call them about donating. Uh, if they have the ability, they will pick it up. If not, you will drop it off, and you'll want to make an appointment to do that. Jesus House uh, continues to accept clothing, household items. There's an organization you all have talked about before called Suited for Success that is for women who are going out into the workforce and they just don't have work clothes. They don't have dress clothes. They can't afford them. They will outfit them with purses, clothes for uh, starting a new job and for interviewing. Central Oklahoma Habitat for Humanity, they have their ReStore, which is their resale store. They will take things like used appliances, used furniture, things like that. Now, keep in mind that it has to be in good condition. They're not going to take stuff that's, you know, dated, old, damaged, uh, or, <clears throat> or in need of repair. Hey, Shannon, can I, can I get you to provide me a water? Thank you. Um, then there's on here, there's downtown.org. I'm sorry, not downtown, donationtown.org, down towards the bottom, third one from the bottom, online donation pickup. If you go to donationtown.org, there is a way that you can request a pickup for things that you have, and they, thank you, they will take it to one of about a half a dozen different not-for-profits here locally that are accepting donations. Now, that's an easy way to do it. You can probably just say to them, take it to whoever will accept it, right? You don't have to pick, and you don't have to call five different places. You just send it to whomever will accept it at the time. <clears throat> <clears throat> shredding. Okay, shredding. Now, this isn't really donation. This is more trash, but since I'm on the topic, well, we'll just switch to trash here, and then I'll go back. But shredding is for those things that you don't want your personal data to be uh, just put in a trash can. 
Uh, we have done two shred days now. Um, how many of you have gone to one of our shred days and brought your stuff, right? A lot of people have. We do it twice a year. You can either put it in a closet and bring it for shred day. It goes right in the truck. They turn it up right then and there. Or the Meadows is our preferred uh, shredding service for dropping it off. And the reason is they are not for profit. Um, I, I say that. No. Don't hold me to that. I'm not sure they're not-for-profit. I do know that they do some pretty uh, interesting um, work with, I want to say, developmentally disabled folks. Is that correct? Yes, thank you. Okay. And so we like them because it is a good cause. Uh, and then the, the last one on the, that front of that list is on-call junk haul on-call junk haul and those guys uh, I've met the owner he's he and his family own it he and his wife and little kids uh, he's a really nice guy I trust them they will haul things for you like to donation too but they also have dumpsters so if it's if it's trash if it's truly trash they'll come pick it up and haul it off okay and they can tell you what the cost would be for that okay so Let's go ahead and, by show of hands, I'll call on you. And if anybody wants to add to the donation list, let's just do that right now. Yes, Martha. Special Olympics has called and said the truck will be on your street. Okay, perfect. Another legit cause. You could contact them and see if they'll pick up. Yes, ma'am. Is there anybody? Well, The Rock does. Uh, most all of these thrift stores, Salvation Army, they take business clothes for men. Um, Jesus House definitely does. Um, they have a, a group there that is primarily for men in recovery that are trying to get back into the workforce as well. So I'm sure that would be appreciated. But does anybody know of a specific organization for men's clothing? Business clothing, suits. Right. I don't, I don't know of any. Yeah. So if you guys find, yeah. Jerry? Perfect. Best Buy. Best Buy will take donations of electronics, cables, everything, and then refurbish it. And what do they do with it, Jerry? Do you know? They repurpose it. If it's worth saving, they'll donate it. If it's not, they'll dispose of it properly by wiping the hard drive and all that. Okay, great. Okay, yes. The Baptist Boys Ranch will take men's clothing or any clothing. Perfect. The Baptist Boys Ranch will take men's and boys' clothing. And where is it? Edmund. In Edmond. Okay, great. Yep. Team. Education Employment Ministries, and it's probably the Education Employment Ministries, maybe, takes men's clothing. Perfect. Yep. Good cause libraries that sometimes take magazines and even books. Yep. You know, thank you. And I don't know why I dropped it off the list. I think because I assume everybody knew about it, but it may, you may not. The Metropolitan Library System takes donations of books for their big sale. Now, obviously, that's on a time uh, they have a deadline for that. You donate it during a certain time, and then they have the sale during a certain time. Let me get her, and then I'll come back to you. You can donate all year long? Right now, they're not taking still. And part of it's not because COVID, but it's because they're short-staffed because of COVID is part of it. Yes, ma'am.
Okay, great. Okay, so the library's warehouse, Tuesdays and Thursdays, downtown on 3rd, the warehouse is where they're accepting donations. So call in advance, make arrangements, make sure that they're picking up. It's on their website. Great, yep. Great, so where at at Veterans Hospital? Well, but I'm like, what area, what department or? Okay, so he's saying if you go, if you call the Veterans Hospital, ask for the library, they will come out and meet you, and they accept some books. So would you say about five boxes of books you took? Yeah. Magazines and, great. Perfect. Okay, great. It's perfect. So there's another resource. Yes, ma'am. Oh, interesting. So the Marines. Okay, that may be the one we have on here then, you think? It's a different one? Okay, so the Marines. Through the VA. Called Dressed for Success. Um, through, uh, for military women, because they said they get lots of donations for men's stuff, not enough for women's stuff. Okay, great. So Dressed for Success through the veterans. Yes, ma'am. Right. And I cannot remember the name, but they would, they would come and, and take things that... I, they do not do it anymore. And that's why it. we dropped it off the list. Okay. Yep, yep, you're right. And, and that's the challenge. So a number of the thrift stores that were out there have stopped taking donations, okay. at least temporarily. And so we're kind of, you know, we're having some trouble. A lot of the uh, Salvation Army thrift stores actually uh, closed down uh, because of lack of donations, because they couldn't because nobody could get out. I mean, you guys have to understand, part of this is circumstantial, and it'll get, it'll come back. But, um, yeah, so very good. Um, I saw another hand. I just want to make sure I get everybody. Yes. yes. Um, I couldn't uh, add up to the 1-800-GOT-JUNK. Is that the same thing? 1-800-GOT-JUNK. Chris, is that on-call junk call? It's a different one. It's a different one. It's the same type of service, but it's not this one that we have listed here. Yeah. You actually pay, they come pick up whatever you want to get rid and discard it, and bring it back. Yeah, yeah. The, those are generally speaking, like she's saying, they come and they drop a dumpster, and you pay them if you want pay labor to fill the dumpster. You they'll 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 fill the dumpster for you, but you pay for that labor, and then they haul off the dumpster, and it depends on the size of the dumpster. Uh, and however long you have it. We use it for things like remodels and stuff like that when you tear everything out of the house, but it can be used. Most of you guys are not going to use that service because you're, gonna, you're not going to donate everything in your house into a dumpster, but it is good if you have, say, a storage shed in the backyard or, heaven forbid, you have your garage gets flooded due to a pipe breaking or something like that, and you literally just need somebody to come in and put it all in a big dumpster and carry it off. Okay, so if you think of something else, you can bring it up during the Q&A, and we'll add it to the list, okay? So just make a note of it, and we'll come back to that. All right, so let's talk about more about trash, because this is about downsizing, and this is about planning ahead, right? This is about going ahead and getting started, and I'm going to get into detail about why we want you to get started and 
kind of how my message is going to be different than what you're used to hearing me say. But there are a few things that we could all start getting rid of, okay? All of us. I guarantee you there's probably maybe one or two people out of this entire room who can honestly say they've already done it and they have nothing left to throw away, okay? And that's fine. Congratulations. And maybe you can come up here and teach us how you did that because I have a really hard time with it. Okay, so in your house, most of us keep things like empty to-go containers. Some people have stacks of those little styrofoam containers in their house. They clean them. They wash them. You get your food from Zorba's, then you wash the styrofoam container or plastic container. Don't judge them. There's nothing wrong with that. And it's okay to throw it away. You have permission. I know many of you were raised by parents that lived through the Depression, and you keep it because it might be used. And why would you go to Costco and buy it when you can use perfectly good ones that you got with your food, right? We get that. Go ahead and throw that crap in the trash. Just do it. It feels so good, right? It feels so good. Do it. Okay, greeting cards. Greeting cards. I know when my mom passed away and I was 11, I know that we got inundated with greeting cards uh, in the thousands, right? And what a kind gesture. And I was so grateful and appreciative. And my grandparents kept those cards for years. And then they became mine. <laughs> I still get emotional when I think about it because some of those cards were very meaningful. They were very heartfelt. They, they, people had handwritten things in there about her. And I, it was a struggle to let those go. You know, Chris doesn't really give me cards anymore because, well, they just clutter things up. He just says, happy anniversary, honey. I go, thank you. Right? <laughs> Funny story about greeting cards. Chris and I met. Uh, when we first met, we started dating. Our first official date, if you want to call it that, was on Valentine's Day at Jimmy's Egg for breakfast. And being Valentine's Day, you kind of have this little sense of obligation to bring somebody a card or something, right? And we weren't really dating yet. And so we both showed up at Jimmy's Egg with a card in hand. He handed me my card. I handed him his card. He also handed me a bag of, I think it was Reese's Cups or assorted chocolates, a a bag like you buy off the shelf at the grocery store with no tissue paper, no, 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 just a bag of a real bag, a plastic, you know, what it comes in. And when he opened his card and I opened my card, I will tell you it was the same exact card. <laughs> I had bought him the same card he had bought me because, well, Hallmark and American Greetings only have a limited selection of are we really dating cards or are we just friend cards? We're not sure cards. And so we picked the same one. Right, it was great. We knew we were meant to be at that point. It's okay to let those go. It's okay. Oh, did you hear her? She said, oh, not those. Uh-oh, I hit a nerve. I hit a nerve. What about the Father's Day card your first grandchild gave you that they made with their handprint? Okay, so here's what I need you to know, those of you in the room. 
every one of us in the room that have some sentimentality about them is going to keep that kind of thing because they just can't, okay? So do you just have to know that the next person's going to have to let that stuff go? It's eventually going to end up in the same place. Let me just tell you. Your kids aren't keeping that. They're not. They may look at it and they may go, oh, that was sweet. Trash. <laughs> That's how that goes. You know it. Okay, you did it with your parents. They're going to do it to you. It all works itself out. It's the circle of life. So go ahead and do it now. Ladies, cosmetics. Get rid of your old lipstick that you looked at in 25 years and the foundation that's half full, half empty, and the 42 things of blush that you bought because you forgot when you were on vacation and you had to go buy one, but it wasn't the right shade, but you kept it anyway because you paid $50 for it. Throw it away. If you're not using it, if you haven't used it in the past year, throw it away. Check registers. You don't need them after, say, oh, 23 years or so. <laughs> you give or take. Put them in the shred box. Same way with duplicate checks, okay? Toilet paper rolls. I love these. I know that some of you like to keep them because, well, I'm not really sure, but <laughs> The reason that I know is because we do this for a living, <laughs> and people keep them. It's okay if you want to keep two or three, but you don't need a cabinet full. Um, I actually met somebody who does use them pretty wisely. We helped somebody move, and they actually rolled their um, electrical uh, extension cords up and tuck them in there so that they go in the drawer really neatly. Right? How cool is that? Now, my thought was... They'd be cuter if they were spray painted, but hey, <laughs> go to Pinterest. I promise you people are doing that, and paying, people are probably paying people money for that. The one on the far left is papers. We all have stacks of papers somewhere, most of us, in a drawer or in a closet or on a desk or somewhere. Uh, you know what? It's okay to go ahead and start going through those now, right? Go ahead and start going through those now. These are all that can be trashed. These are all things that um, obviously you're going to pick and choose which greeting cards. But here's the deal, guys. If somebody simply signed their name and didn't write anything special in the card, you should give it about as much credence as they gave it when they sent it to you and throw it in the trash. Right? If they wrote a really nice love letter to you, keep it. But if they signed their name, they may not have even signed their name because in my house, I promise you, I signed his name or he signed mine and I didn't even know the card went out. Throw it away, okay? Give yourself the grace and the permission to do that. Anything else you need to throw away? Go ahead and just shout it out. Yes? Photo albums. Empty ones or full ones? Full ones. It is okay to do that, yes. And a lot of people are digitizing them right, digitizing their photos and then throwing those albums in the trash or taking the photos out of the albums, giving people that should get the photos, that would want the photos and appreciate the photos and then throw the other photos away of the people you don't know and the landscapes that you don't really know where they were when you took the picture. Okay, keep the important ones, get rid of the others, Doesn't you don't need them. Yeah, okay, good deal. All right, so let's talk about selling because that's really the hot topic of the day. This isn't going to take that long. Um, Sell it. Everybody I know says, I want some money for my stuff. How many of you would like money for your stuff? Raise your hand. Okay. 
If you have the time and the ability to do it, then we can sell it. Okay, so you can either do it one of two ways. You can sell it yourself, and we'll talk about ways to do that, or you can hire professionals to do it. I couldn't find anybody that looked like an estate sale person, so those are the people you got. I don't know who they are, but they look like professionals. So you can either do it yourself or hire professionals. You can either do it online or have someone come and do it on site, which is what most of us are accustomed to is estate sales that are done in the home, at the house, or whatever, right? So online estate sales are a new phenomenon. Um, online selling is not new. eBay's been doing it for quite a while, right? Craigslist has been doing it for quite a while. But the auction platform for estate auctions or large-scale sales is fairly new. In fact, in Oklahoma City, we, uh, we only really have one resource for that right now. If you go to Dallas or some of the other metro areas, um, they have multiple resources. But right now, the only one we know about is the one that we typically refer to, and I'll circle back to that in just a minute. So online or on-site. Now, I, I want to talk about why one or the other, um, but I'm going to come back to that. Once you've decided if you're going to do it online or on-site, you also have to decide is it going to be an auction or is it going to be a fixed price situation, right? So are we going to auction stuff off for the highest bidder or are we going to have someone just put a sticker on it that says this is how much it is and this is how much people pay? Is that how we're going to do it? So let's talk about the online auction. This is actually an auction that is done through uh, our pro provider here that we recommend and work with is Caring Transitions. Now, there are three, currently, there are three franchises with Caring Transitions. They cover different areas of the market. The one that we typically use and we really like is in Northwest Oklahoma City in Edmond. Her name is Liz Donnelly. Her partner's name is Joshua. He's really great. Most of you that have worked with us know about them because that's who we, we've used them for a few years now. Now, the other two franchises I'm not as uh, pleased about. I Frankly, and I, I apologize if they're listening in, I, I'm not. Not happy. Not happy with them at all for various reasons. So... What do you do if you can't get the person you want? And they're in territories. So the one I like can't go to Yukon and, or to Moore. So what do we do if we have somebody in Moore or Yukon? We have to go back and, well, we have to go back with an on-site sale. Okay, so just remember, where you live dictates what type of sale you're going to have and the type of person or the type of sale uh, provider that you get. Now, there are some great estate sale people out there in the market that do on-site sales. And so I just want to mention a few things about that uh, and why that's getting harder here in a few minutes. So this is the sale I was talking about that, that they've done. Now, people go, well, how, how can you possibly sell everything I own online? Chris, if I walk over here, are you going to get frustrated with me? Okay. All right, so this is a, uh, a picture of a lot, L-O-T, a lot, that they would sell in an online auction, okay? This, there's a, a piece of Pyrex, there's a cork uncorker thing, you know, a corkscrew machine, there's a little basket, uh, I think that's a little, like a little small crock pot, and then a little sugar bowl or creamer bowl, a butter dish, two spoons, I, don't ask, I don't know. And then there were some knives or something over here, and then a little colander, okay? Basically kitchen items, yeah? But 
would you, if you were walking up to an estate sale, go, you know what, I'd like that colander. How much is that? Right? You'd pay what for that colander? A dollar? No, you wouldn't. You'd pay a quarter for that colander because it'd be marked a dollar, but you're going to pay a quarter for it, right, at a garage sale. Okay. So, and by the way, a lot of estate liquidators, they don't even want to deal with this stuff, do they? Right? So, this is marked current bid. There's five days left on the sale. It's currently at $3. And there's three bids on it. Somebody's bidding on it. So, this will go for five more days. And at the end of five days, the highest bidder wins. Now, I can guarantee you, whoever's bidding on this couldn't give a care about any of this stuff except for that corkscrew thing right there. That's what they're buying. How much are those new? Anybody know? 25 bucks, 20 bucks, something like that. So if they pay $10 for that lot of stuff, did they do okay? They don't really want that other stuff. You know what that's going to happen to that other stuff though when they go to pick up their corkscrew? They're going to have to take it home with them because they bought all of it. They're going to go home and they're going to put those two spoons in the trash. They're going to put that colander in the cabinet, and I don't know what they're going to do with that other stuff, right? Okay, when you wonder how can they possibly sell everything I own, that's how they do it. They group things together so that whenever somebody buys one thing, they buy it all. Make sense? So, oh, the other day, my daughter, there was a, uh, I wish I had a picture, there was a lot of kitchen stuff, and it had an uh, immersion blender. And my daughter, I said, how much would you want for this lot? I said, there's an immersion blender, and there was something else. And she goes, oh, don't pay more than $60 for the lot. And it ended up going for more than $60. But all she wanted was the immersion blender. It was a commercial-grade one. She said, it would probably sell for $100, Mom. So if I can get it for $60, that's a good deal. I'm like, what will you do with all this other stuff? She goes, I'll just put it back online and sell it on Facebook Marketplace. <laughs> you guys get what happens, right? So here's another sale. This is Precious Moments. Those of you who are in the Downsizers Club have seen this picture because Liz talked about it when we were at the group meeting a couple weeks ago. So uh, Liz went over this in great detail for the Downsizers Club, but I'll just give you the short version. So this is Precious Moments. It's $365. It's sold, closed. But here's the deal. There were 46 bidders. What she said they didn't realize is there was one piece that was highly collectible. The rest of them really didn't have much value at all, but the one precious moments, that's what people were bidding on, okay? But guess what they ended up with? All of them, right? This chair, uh, peacock chair, I would have looked at that and probably said, good luck if you can sell that. <laughs> Closed, uh, it's four days into the bidding process, it's up to $355. Now, how many of you have said, just trash it? Possibly, right? Some of you would have said, oh, no, I love my peacock chair. I don't know. But the fact is we don't know what things are going to bring always because we just don't know. Um, this is a, a, cab a cabinet, like a buffet cabinet, mid-century modern, not antique. Listen to me. It is not an antique. It is not heavily crafted and adorned and all the fancy carvings and none of that. It is a plain Jane Uber contemporary, mid-century, 50s and 60s time frame. Its bid closed at $906. Who knew? And you can't get rid of these things. 
Amwar, see those? That's not a very good picture, I apologize. I took it off of uh, Facebook Marketplace as a screenshot. But I'm gonna just read some numbers to you, okay? $50, now, must sell today, $50. Not sold, must sell. 65, marked down from 75. 100, marked down from 400. 275, <laughs> not gonna happen. 75, 200, marked down to 100. 50, 399, brand new. That's a, that's a uh, store that's selling it online. One of them's 99, oh, well, that's a mirror. $65, $50, $35, $35, you can't get rid of it. How many of you are going to drive to Jones, Oklahoma and pay $35 for an armoire? People cannot get rid of these. You guys understand what I'm saying? There, there, are, there were hundreds. I just clipped part of the page. There were hundreds of them, hundreds of those exact pieces of furniture for $35 to $50. China, set of China, pretty large set of China, yeah? One, two, four, eight, twelve, four, eight, twelve, sixteen, is that right? Something like that. I can't tell for sure on the sizes. Is it? Okay, different sizes there, yep. Yep. Hold that thought. Okay, so I want to go, I want to talk about, those were online, okay? Now, I, I follow Matt McNeil. You guys are familiar with McNeil, McNeil Estate Liquidations here in Oklahoma City. They do a lot of high-end sales, a lot of big sales, um, th and they've been around a long time. Very legit, very reputable company. I follow them. I looked yesterday, they have a post from June 6th that says, McNeil Liquidation's next sale will be in Oklahoma City's Glenbrook neighborhood. For those of you who don't know, it's over in Nichols Hill, in Nichols Hills area. It's tentatively scheduled for the long 4th of July weekend. So a month from now, they're going to have a sale. In the meantime, it's our pleasure to tell you about a really fun Edmund sale. So now they're marketing. They, what they do is they help promote other sales site because they have a large following so Edmund Antiques is doing a sale uh, and what they did was they basically had to move everything off-site from somebody's house to a commercial location to hold the sale all right and so um, the sale is on the 11th 12th and 13th from 9 to 4 p.m. typically what happens on Sundays is they mark things half price so if it hasn't sold by Sunday it's marked to half price hopefully it will sell what happens when it's left over? Huh? Junked, maybe? Somebody comes and buys the different, so a lot of different things happen. So it's either, it's either there's somebody who will show up and say, hey, I'd like to buy what's left. I'll load it up and take it, and the, the state liquidator will make a deal with them for 100 bucks, take it all. Or the family may come back in and say, we'll deal with it, or they'll donate it if that's they want whatever the case may be but there will be stuff left over okay so it will take them a little time to get that house fully emptied now if that house if you're counting on the proceeds of that house to pay for your next residence or contribute to your income for your next residence how long do you want to wait on them to schedule your sale 
Most of us would kind of like to have it done the day we move out, yeah? Well, this is the dilemma we're having. It's not just McNeil. It's everybody. They're short-staffed, and they're having trouble because you can only do so many sales at a time, right? And so if they have a really large sale to set up, they may be taking two to three weeks to set up that sale, and then they do the sale, which means they can't even schedule you to start setting up for four weeks. And that's if they do a sale, if they will do that many sales. The other issue is if you don't have a sale that is going to gross, gross sales receipts, at least $30,000 or more, Matt McNeil doesn't want to talk to you. He's not going to show up. Now, he'll refer you to someone in his organization that he knows in that group of people that do sales, and they may do it, but even then, their threshold is usually 10000 or more. And we had a sale last week. One of our Downsizers Club members just sold their house, and they moved into uh, Concordia, and their sale, the gross receipts, was $3,800. Gross receipts, $3,800. These guys aren't even going to pick up the phone and talk to you for a $3,800 sale. So if they didn't do the online sale, what would they have had to do with the stuff? Donate, Donate it. Because they had a window of time. They wanted their house on the market. Because where is, the, where is their asset? Where is their money? In the house. Okay. So this is why I'm saying we, we have to have multiple avenues to do this because if we walk into your house and you say, I want to have an estate sale and I'm going to call Matt McNeil, I may look at you and go, hmm, okay. Well, Matt's a friend of mine. Hmm, great. Matt's still a business guy, right? He, he's not going to do a friend deal for you for $3,800. His cut of that is, let's just say it's 50%. Do you think Matt's going to do that? Right? And it's not just him. I'm just using him as an example because most of us recognize that name. Okay? Yeah, hold that thought one sec. All right, so here's, here's what I'm going to say, and then we're going to open it up for conversation because I think we need to have a conversation around this. I have been saying for six years in these seminars, and some of you are going to go, yep, I've been hearing her for six years, say, if you're going to have an estate sale in the, in the future, you don't need to downsize now because... It'll be handled after your move, all of it. In fact, if you plan to have an estate sale, you may want to hang on to things rather than donate them so that you have enough to do an estate sale. You guys all heard me say that, right? Okay, new message. Everybody here is going to get the memo. Ready? Start now. No matter what. Let me say that again. Start now, no matter what, regardless of your intentions, sale or no sale, move or no move, upcoming move planned or distant move anticipated, small house or large, collector or minimalist, retired or still working, it doesn't matter. Say it with me. Start now. Why? Thank you. Here's why. <laughs> Eddie, you're so, you were like on it. Did you know that was coming? Here's why. Most of us, what I'm finding is those people who wait and then they're moving are not, you do not have time to grieve if you are attached to your things. Now, some of you have moved many times in your lives, right? Bill, you and Janet, you guys have moved lots of times. You're not really attached to your stuff, right? There are some things you like, not, and, but 
Guys, I helped somebody move recently that had been in the same house for 40 years. Same house. And that stuff, those things that they owned were like their children. They were like pets. They, it, it was like, no, I can't, no, I can't, I can't. There's a grieving process for some people, not all. And so if you don't start now and something happens in your life and you, and you find it necessary to move, necessary. How many of you have a friend or somebody you know who had to move? Had to. We all do. We all know those people. And if you're having to make those decisions in a day or a week or even a month, you don't have an opportunity to really reconcile and go through all those greeting cards <laughs> and photo albums, right? You don't have time. You also end up with what we call decision fatigue. Because you do have to go through a lot of things in a short period of time when you make the decision to move, you're exhausted, right? Yes, no, yes, no, maybe. Yes, 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 no, 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 maybe, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe. Okay, that's, right? And you're doing that the whole day. Your brain at some point goes, enough. Your body's already told you enough. But you've pushed through, and now your brain is exhausted. And now, guess what? Shannon's going to bring you a contract on your house. And you have decision fatigue. And you look at Shannon, and you go, I can't tell you. I don't know what to do. I can't decide. Why? Because you've been going through green cards. And plastic storage containers. And toilet paper rolls and old taxes and check registers. Right? Does it mean, I mean, I'm not joking when I say this. I, we do this for a living, and we do this sometimes two or three times a week. And I watch people, and they're exhausted. They're exhausted. They're exhausted. And it's not necessarily because they've lifted anything. They haven't lifted anything. It's their brain has been doing all the work. Right? So... The decision fatigue is an issue. So then the other thing and the other reason, Eddie, is that if you really do want to appeal to your social conscience and you want to make sure these things go someplace meaningful, you have to do it sooner than later. You have to do it sooner than later. And then lastly, gosh, guys, it's empowering. It's empowering to make these decisions. I have people that will tell you, oh my gosh, I'm so glad I did this. We moved a client recently who, um, as a couple, he and she both moved into independent living community. Um, the house was under contract, getting ready to close. He passed away. They had only been moved about a month. He passed away. They made all of those decisions together. And she was not left with the burden and the son was not left with the burden of having to do that. That's empowering. That's empowering when you do it. Now, if you're having to do it because you're in crisis, it's not empowering, right? It's not. It's really, it's actually sometimes a little bit, your dignity can be lost in that process because somebody is basically telling you you have to do it. And I don't know about you guys, I don't like being told I have to do anything, right? So there's an empowerment issue. All right, now, I had a couple of hands go up, so let's have some conversation around this. You can the list. You can ask questions. You can share resources. Uh, I'll let you go first since you had your hand up.
been pretty good. Made an appointment, sent somebody to do follow, looked at their stuff, set a date for the estate sale, the Monday before the date, they called, we don't take a board that time, we're not coming. Okay, I'm gonna repeat that story and paraphrase. So they set, a, set an estate sale date, and then, and how long is it, you, you were the week before, the Friday before? The Monday before. The Monday before they were supposed to come and do the estate sale, the estate liquidator called and said it's not worth our time. Sorry, we're not doing it. So, they planned for it, they counted on it, now they're left without a resource to do it, right? Sold the houses, everything was ready to go, except for you can't get it empty. So what'd you do with the stuff? We call that a buyout. So they ended up having a guy come in and make them an offer, say 500 bucks. They load it all up, take it off their hands. Okay. There could have been $10,000 worth of stuff there. There could have been more. You don't know. But at the end of the day, that's better than the alternative, which is having to load up a U-Haul and go put it in a storage and a dumpster to try to figure it out later. Now, what do you think most people do in that circumstance? What do you think happens with the stuff if they don't have another alternative and they're time crunched? No, they don't pitch it. They put it in storage. Now, how much, Chris, does it cost for a storage unit, non-climate controlled for, say, a household of a, 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 a 2,000 square foot house? Anybody have an idea? A couple hundred bucks a month. A month. So now you're paying monthly for this stuff that you were going to sell that you don't really want. And by the way, you're so flipping tired at this point that you don't even want to talk about that stuff. So how long do you think it will stay in that storage? Until your kids are standing there with you and the water looking at it and saying, what am I going to do with this? I had a gentleman. We had tallied up. He lived up North Edmond, South Guthrie, kind of in between there in uh, Logan County. He had spent over $40,000 in storage costs for stuff that was not going to bring anything in the sale. $40,000 in storage costs. Yeah. So you didn't want to waste it. <laughs> so instead we wasted what? $40,000. That just, that doesn't make sense, but that's what people do because they're not thinking clearly, right? What else? Yes, sir. My daughter had an experience. She lived in Arizona. Big golf cart. Her husband retired and golf cart. She called, contacted the state salesperson and she did everything that they wanted to see in her master bedroom. Locked the doors. Yep. New place. Okay. Okay, so I'm going to tell you the story. Have you tried to do that here? Okay. So the, his daughter in Arizona, they were sold their house, so they moved everything into their master bedroom that they were going to keep, left everything else out in the main part of the house, locked the master bedroom door, the estate liquidator came in, facilitated a sale of the stuff in the rest of the house, and then when their house was ready, they moved to the next place. Okay. We have talked with estate liquidators about doing these types of things and um, most of the clients that we have could not fit everything that they wanted to take into a single or even two rooms of their house 
and the cost of pulling this stuff out of those two rooms, it's also commingled, right? It's very commingled. Your daughter's probably not got as much stuff as most people. I'm just guessing, right? And if you've lived there 40 years, there's a lot of stuff, guys, in, in the nooks and crannies of those houses. If you can pull that off somewhere, it's not a bad solution. But I will tell you that, again, you're going to have to have a sale that's worthy of that estate liquidator's time and energy to do it. Um, and most of them won't do it. Most of them really, honestly, the ones that we deal with, the really reputable folks, they don't even want to talk to you as a client until you have already moved. And here's why. This will make sense when I tell you. <clears throat> they walk through your house with you before you've moved. Even if we mark the furniture, by the way, even if we do everything we can to say this is what you're moving, and they will walk through the house, and you will ask them, what do you think that will bring? And you say, will that sell? And you say, whatever you say, and you have this conversation. And you say to them, okay, great. And they say, great, we'd love to work with you. When you're ready, call us. And then they leave. And you walk back through the house, and you go, well, if that's going to bring $25, I'm just going to give that to my daughter. Well, if that's only going to bring $10, I'm just going to let my grandson have that. Matter of fact, I'm going to give that to my neighbor. And by the time they come back to your house... There is nothing left to sell because our brain has said, if it's only worth X, why bother? Follow me? And they have done this so many times that when I say, I'll beg them, will you please come talk to these people? They really want to get a plan in place. Nope. Nope, Nikki, we're not doing it. And I know that's why. Right? I know it's why, because appliances are the biggest one. So washers and dryers and refrigerators, they'll come in and they know washer, dryers, and refrigerators are going to sell. Bigger ticket items that sell are what justify them selling all the other miscellaneous stuff. And so you come in, you say, I'm going to do the washer, dryer, fridge will be in the sale, and I have a freezer in the garage that will be in the sale, and a lawnmower, all the big stuff. And they go, okay, great. Well, we'll deal with the little stuff because there's some big stuff. And then they come back to set up the sale, and you've given all the big stuff away. That's what I'm saying. So you have to look at it from their perspective. Business-wise, it makes no sense for them to sell $5,000 worth of stuff when they thought it was going to be ten. Make sense? Because they, by the way, <clears throat> they've also reserved the date for you. So we would ask them to reserve a date because they're moving out. We need the sale to happen because they're going to pay their entry fee out at XYZ Community. And they go, okay. And then you've given all that stuff away. And now what they've done is they've reserved that date for you and they've put five other people on a back burner or they've get, turned them away and now they're going to make less money. It's not fair to them to do that, right? So that's why they don't do it. It's just really not. Yeah. Yeah, Chris? Okay, thank you. So somebody online asked, what is the going rate for estate sales? So all I can speak to is here in our market, okay? And by the way, it's all over the board because like real estate commissions, it's negotiable. It will depend how much stuff you have. It will depend on the date. It will depend on lots of things. So uh, let's just talk about like regular estate sales on site. They come to your house. They set it up, etc. 35% is the absolute minimum I've seen people charge. They may charge as much as 50% because if it's a small sale, 
they need to gross more, so to justify it, they're going to charge you more. In many cases, depending on the, the group, they're going to charge you an administrative fee, an advertising fee, and maybe a cleaning fee. It depends on your house and the condition of your house. If they have to bring in a dumpster for any kind of damaged items or junk, they will charge you for that. And so, and then at the end of the sale, they basically go, okay, here's the percentage, here's what you would get minus these fees, and then that's your total. <clears throat> if you have something like, let's say, a car or a piece of equipment that's a big ticket item, they'll do that at a lower percentage usually, let's say 10 or 15%, okay? They'll, they'll make that an accepted item for a different percentage. Um, a lot of them can't sell guns, but they have people that will buy guns. They may not be able to sell it in the sale, but they'll broker a deal with somebody, that kind of thing, okay? Online estate sale. Um, here's what's interesting. Remember I told you earlier, the group that we use is the Caring Transitions Group out of Edmond in Northwest Oklahoma City. It's a franchise, <clears throat> but all three of the franchises here do it differently. So don't, you can't talk to one of them and expect it to be the same conversation because we had this happen last week. Um, our group, typically, they're going to charge a uh, dollar a square foot to set it up. So if your house is 2,500 square feet, plan to pay $2,500 for setup. There are exceptions. If your house is completely like cleaned out and all they have to do is come in and photograph the stuff and they're done, I mean, it's so simple to do, they'll charge you less. If it's dirty or it's going to require unearthing a lot of things like in garages and attics and basements, they may charge you a little more, okay? Um, so they're going to charge you a setup fee. That pays, think about it, that pays for their labor, okay? Let's just think about it that way. That pays for their labor to get the sales set up, to get everything organized and put together and so on and so forth. Then they're going to charge you, when the sale happens, they're going to charge you a percentage. So they're going to charge a 35% uh, fee for selling the stuff. And they also charge a buyer's premium. So as a purchaser, if I go bid on something on your website, I'm going to pay, is it Chris, is it 15%? I'm going to pay 15% buyer premium. Okay? So they're making 50%, but they're making 15% of that from the buyer, not from the seller. Does that make sense? They, generally speaking, again, uh, the group that we use, their marketing and everything, if they have a marketing charge, it may be $200. Um, but the other group out of Western Oklahoma City area, they have different fees. So they may charge for clean out. They may charge to have somebody move stuff from downstairs or upstairs to downstairs. They have different fees. We had a guy the other day that uh, it was going to cost him like over $6,000 just to set up the sale. And we went, mm, no, that doesn't seem right. So we called one of our on-site estate people, and they're going to do it that way. So again, uh, we try to advocate for you. Like, we'll tell you, does that sound right, or is that out of the what we would consider the norm for what somebody should be charging? And part of it is, guys, if they don't have time, they're going to charge more. Right? To make it worth their time. Does that make sense? So it's just like anything. Uh, it's just what it is. Demand and so on. Okay. Did I answer that question in total? Yes, sir. What about just our species? Yeah. Other than Christie's. Other than Christie's. <laughs> right. Yeah. 
Yep. Okay, so the question is, what about art? Uh, High-end, original art, maybe not Christie's level art. Okay, so there's that in-between, right? There is. There's, it's not Hobby Lobby art, but it's not Christie's art. So what do you do with that? Well, you know, in our world, we're looking for the most efficient way to do it, and so we say you put it in an estate sale. So if you're doing it as a, as a big picture thing, so the online estate sale or the uh, on-site estate sale, you can put a minimum on those. You can do a reserve. Uh, if you have an idea that it has a specific value, you can always put a reserve on it. Um, the other thing is eBay. I hate to say that. It, it makes me sad to even say that. And then you go directly to galleries, right? You have to go to galleries and you have to go to dealers who deal specifically with art. Now, that's a specialty in and of itself, right? Brokering art. That is not our forte. It is not most estate liquidators' fortes. And I will also tell you that you have to be careful about what they call appraisals, right? So you can have a, a, an original piece. Like I have a, um, a piece of art. It's an oil painting. Um, Chris, help me. Pat Matthews. And he does a lot of different oils, a lot of aspen trees, things like that. Beautiful, beautiful painting, and it's in our entryway. I bought it at an auction, a charitable, charitable auction thing. It doesn't go with any of our decor, <laughs> but it's a sunk cost. And Chris won't let me get rid of it because he wants me to be reminded that I paid too much for that <laughs> stupid piece of art. So it's in our entryway. Can't miss it. So anyway, <laughs> we have this piece of art. Well, I've gone online from time to time and researched it. And, you know, it would sell for about $3,500. And so I put it online for about $3,500 and no takers. Why? Because he's still alive and he's still painting and there's plenty of it out there. Right? Right? And so when do people buy that kind of stuff? Huh? When the, when the painter's dead and he becomes famous and everybody wants it because it, now it's limited. The other, there's another time that people buy it. When they're drunk. <laughs> when they're at an auction trying to show off to their friends because they're going to pay more than anybody else. Or on a cruise. <laughs> Don't laugh. It's true. People buy stuff like that when they're on vacation. Okay, so you walk into an estate sale. You're not looking what are you looking for a bargain yeah so guys if you own art and you bought it as an investment it will probably go with you wherever you go for the rest of your life and then your kids will have it and which is why let me that leads me to the little worksheet you have okay go ahead and pick up the worksheet best ways for liquidating extra stuff worksheet there are some lines there. It says, what is the best option for me concerning my extra stuff? That's the question that you want to ask yourself. And there's some lines there. You can write on it. Okay, uh, maybe you want to check mark gift to others or check mark sell it for cash. You may want to put specific items on there. And then there's the next one that says, if selling for cash, research the following items for current values before selling. So in your case, you would want to put that on there. If you have a piece of art or something that you think has a higher value than a Hobby Lobby piece of art, you probably should let your family know that. Okay? Because they don't. I'm going to tell you, my kids would have no idea. And by the way, if Caleb knew that I paid $3,500 for that oil painting, he'd wonder why he didn't get that $3,500. 
you guys get it? I mean, what, what were you thinking, Mom? I could have used that $3,500, right? Uh, the next one, if selling for cash, I prefer the following methods for selling if they are available. Now, the, again, this can go in your, in your book that you do, like the gift, where it tells people what your, your intentions are for your stuff. So on-site estate sale, if you have a company that you want to have used, write it in there. If you have a online or uh, online company you want to use, write it in there. If you want someone else to recommend it. So you could check that third one, estate sale as recommended by OKC Mature Moves or uh, Senior Living Truth Series. Then that's basically put the phone number on there and your kids would know to call us to say who's the current person that you recommend. It gives them a place to start. That's all it is. Okay. The third one or the bottom one down there, top three charitable organizations for donating my things in order of preference. And so if, if you have an affinity for the Salvation Army, you should put that on there. If you have an affinity for the rock, you should put that on there and so on. If you want your business clothes to be donated to Dress for Success, put it on there. Action plan on the back. This is, this is about starting now. This is really your task when you leave here. And it's a challenge, and I would challenge all of you, no matter your circumstances, to do it. The, the affirmation at the top says, I intend to take control of simplifying my life and the lives of those I care about by dealing with my possessions now. And then there's a list. And in, I, in my mind, it's a list in terms of starting here and working your way down the list. It doesn't matter to me. You can start wherever you want to, okay? But bookshelves are an easy place to start, okay? It's an easier, it's less, usually less emotionally charged. There are places to take them. So it's an easy place to start, right? And then closets. And ladies, let me tell you something. You don't need 12 pink short sleeve shirts. Men, you don't need 42 ball caps with the same company name on them. But I do need those 60 golf shirts. 60 golf shirts. All right. That's my point. So we, get, we have all this stuff. We have it because we have room for it, right? So this is the time to go through and say, what are my best two? Right? Get rid of the ones that are junk throw them out, donate the rest, okay? Um, okay, so number one through five in the middle of the page, identify the items that you no longer need or want, or I didn't say need, I changed that to necessity because it's not about whether you think you need it or not, really, right? It's about is it functional for you now? Let go of any guilt or obligation you feel about it. Determine the best method of letting it go. Arrange a time and date for the items to be removed from your home. If you do not set a deadline for this, it will not happen. If you tell your kids to come get their stuff from high school out of your upstairs closet and they don't do it by X date, then you get rid of it. Give them a deadline. Does that make sense? Okay. Arrange a time and date. Number five, follow through with letting go by holding people accountable, including yourself. So get an accountability partner. It could be one of your family members. It could be your spouse. It could be a friend. It could be one of us. But basically say, I have a goal, and this is what it is. I'm going to have X cleaned out and liquidated by X date. I need somebody to hold me accountable. Somebody will help you do that. I also put three farewell messages on here. And for, for the men in the room, you can just ignore them. I know you're going to think that's stupid. 
but ladies in the room, you're going to get it. Our stuff often has real meaning here, okay? Talk to it. It, it has energy. We know it has energy, right? It's made of energy. We're made of energy. So talk to it. You talk to your plants. What's the difference? There's no difference. So I want you to talk. Yes, ma'am. Music, define music. CDs, DVDs, sheet music. I need more than just like. Are we talking like? Okay, so books for using to teach children music. Where could somebody donate those? Piano music. Yes. Half price bookstore. If they'll take it, they'll give you money for it. If they won't give you money for it, they'll find a way to, to repurpose it. Yeah, okay, good. Or basically, uh, call Larson's as well. I would call Larson's, and I would ask Mr. Myrick if, if that could be donated to that group that does the, does the lessons for those kids, for sure, yeah. Okay, saying farewell, guys, this is, a, um, this is a ritual that you can get in the habit of doing. It really felt good when I did that with my grandmother's dishes. Right? I really spoke to my grandmother's dishes as if she were there with me in the room right before I took them out and put them in the dumpster. <laughs> Nobody wanted them, you guys. I couldn't sell them. Nobody would take them. I tried to give them away. Do you think my grandmother loves me any less today? Yes or no? Okay. This is not about my grandmother. This was about dishes, people dishes last thing on here affirmations okay so I know we're at the end of our time so just really quickly three people tell me what step are you going to take today based on this meeting go yep okay not try I'm going to set a deadline to repurpose that music by when give me a date Yes, you can. One month? One month? By next meeting. It won't happen if you don't set a deadline. I, I, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use you as a teachable moment since you're a teacher. If you had a student that said, I'm going to try to learn that piece by the recital, what would you tell them? That's what I thought. You would tell them, you're not going to try, you're going to do it. And you're going to learn it, and you're going to have lessons, and you're going to have to write, you have to set some benchmarks for yourself. So, guys, this is stuff that we have to set a benchmark for ourselves, and we have to make it. And if you don't want to let it go and you're not ready, then just say, I'm not ready to let it go. But if you are ready to let it go, then create a deadline for yourself. That will help a lot, right? And then the universe will deliver to you the resources needed, right? God said, you want to get rid of it, here's the kid. Problem solved. But if God says, well, you're still really not sure, so I'm going to move on over here to Eddie. <laughs> All right? Seriously. That's how it works, right? Okay, yeah. Two more people. What are you going to do today? Yes, ma'am. Betty. I'm going to sit down in my laundry room and I'm going to try writing and I'm going to start putting out all the books out of the pantry and collect. Put the food in there. Awesome. You're going to go into your, your pantry and you're going to, with your fried rice, 
and you're going to pull everything out of there that's not supposed to be in there so you can actually put food in there. Amen to that. I love it. There's brutal honesty right there. Good for you. And if you need help, ask. They're starting today. And when will you have it finished? <laughs> when you finish eating your fried rice. Perfect. All right. Who's next? Last person. Last person. No. Yep. My next 15 slide trays. <laughs> Eliminate the slides. And by the way, nobody wants whole carousel, Kodak carousel slide trays. All right. Perfect. And when are you going to have that done? I've already got halfway there by next meeting. By next meeting, you'll have them done. So we'll check in with you. So Shannon, make sure with these three folks right here that we're going we're gonna to check in with these folks. All right. So we got Leonard with the slide trays. Jeannie. Jeannie with her she, her piano music. Yep. And Betty with her uh, pantry. All right. Okay. You guys feel like you got value from today? All right. Good. All right. There's an evaluation on your table. Please fill it out. Take everything else with you. Fill out the evaluation. Jim's back here, my father-in-law in the purple. We appreciate him so much. He volunteers every month to help us out. And so give it to him when you leave. And we'll see you guys next month at the, uh, what's it called? Truth about selling a home and kind of as is. Yeah, so we're going to talk about how real estate works and if you want to sell as is, how that works. Okay? See you guys next month.